This is Puck Here, New Zealand's hockey podcast, with your hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury. Welcome to Puck Yeah, New Zealand's hockey podcast. I'm Logan Swinkles. I'm a documentary filmmaker and editor. Plus, I make some videos for the NZIHL. And my co-host is Joe Jury, who also makes stuff for the NZIHL and does social media for Howraki and the Alternative Commentary Collective. What's up, Joe? How you doing, Logan? I'm good, man. Now, if you've watched the game of ice hockey in New Zealand recently, there's a good chance that our very first guest on the show actually made it all happen. And he's dressed up for this occasion he's really nice dressed to the the nine so welcome jez brown he's the man behind slapshot Productions. so welcome to puck yeah it's great to be here and there's absolutely no question that every single bit of game footage went through me for the last (laughs) few years (laughs) don't i know because uh in in 2015 jez and i we traveled the uh, country together for the nzihl season producing the live streams it had everything that you could possibly want in a sports broadcast multi-cameras commentators instant replays and graphics and uh to be honest all that was done on it felt like a shoestring budget but somehow jez uh, you managed to pull it off, and to me, I think it's an amazing, amazing accomplishment what you've done. Um, golf clap. Yeah, mm. definitely golf claps there. Um, people at home, I think you should be golf clapping him all day. Uh, so there's there's a lot to get through today, so let's just get started. Um, we understand that you weren't even really a fan of hockey growing up. So how did this whole thing with Slapshot Productions even begin? What sparked that idea? Um, many years ago, well over 10 years ago, I was working in regional television down in Dunedin, um, at Channel 9 and uh, that was around about the same time the NZIHL started and uh, the setup for regional television in New Zealand is very different to say commercial television like um, TVNZ and TV3. Um, it's much more say like the BBC setup where um, instead of getting uh, outside uh, production houses to come in and make all your content for you, uh, you have a whole bunch of people on staff and a whole lot of equipment and you go out and you make content for your station and that's what it's like in regional television. So. In that sense, you're always looking for something to film because you need content uh, to go on TV. And Channel 9 were looking for content. The ice hockey just started and I pitched the idea of going out and filming those ice hockey games. Uh, But around that time, I actually left. Uh, I left Dunedin and left Channel 9 and it didn't come to anything. And then many years later, I was living in Wellington and it was just after uh, the Olympics, uh, Canada and the United States had had a big final. So that'd be the uh, 2010 Winter Olympics. Yeah, it must have been around then. And... uh, And they just had a big final and I was just kind of curious as to why New Zealand ice hockey wasn't on TV yet because in my mind it's, you know, it's a good little product. So I just kind of sent a cursory email to New Zealand ice hockey, um, sort of making that that little inquiry. And uh, one email turned into several and it turned into an avalanche. And uh, later on that year we ended up filming uh, the NZIHL final for Sky. Um, which was the first game we did, and a very steep learning curve because um, quite a lot went wrong with that. Um, I, I, re- I remember watching that game. Yeah. Not the things that went wrong, I just remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching the game. By the time it finally went to air, there wasn't anything wrong with it, but um, it, it was a really difficult situation that we'd been in because we'd got in all these different cameras, we'd set up the production, we, we had a budget from the NZIHL, um, we'd done the deal with Sky, uh, and then a whole lot of stuff sort of went wrong on the day um 
namely the audio. Uh, the guy that we got in to, to do the audio left us with his assistant, his assistant made mistakes, and the commentary that uh, we had that day, which was um, uh, Nathan Rarari actually came in to, to do it for us. Um, he stuffed it up and we couldn't use it. It was unusable. But we didn't we didn't know that uh, necessarily. I mean, we knew that there were some parts to it that weren't so good. You know, the levels were too hot and all that sort of stuff. But we still turned around that production. And um, back in those days, the graphics packages, they just didn't exist. You had to do everything a frame at a time. So we were creating clocks and scores and animations and all that sort of stuff um, and, and cutting the whole thing and cutting the cameras together in post-production. And it was quite an arduous um, sort of three days that we spent um, putting it together and then uh, and then sent it off to Sky. And it was the same thing. Like for it to go to Sky, it had to go through a post-production house. That was $500 alone just to have it turned around and put onto a tape to go to Sky. And then Sky come back to us on the day, on the day that it's going to go to air. And I don't just mean the day, but about half an hour before it's going to go to air and tell us that it's not going to go to air. Oh, wow. That they'd found a glitch or an audio problem and they're like, no, it's not going to, it's not going to go. That sucks. And we'd done quite a lot of, um, quite a lot of prep and quite a lot of um, promotion around that. So that upset a lot of people within the ice hockey community and uh, it was quite upsetting for me too, just to go through that. And then we had to go back to Nathan um, and say, hey, would, would you mind sitting down and re-recording your um, commentary of the game or watching it on TV playback? So then we had to send them a copy of it and then re-record the audio. Um, and you can hear that in the audio and the clips or highlights of them are still on um, still on YouTube and it all sounds a bit flat because they weren't there because we had some really great commentary on the day but then watching back on TV is never the same and of course they knew the result they had to pretend <laughs> like they didn't know the result and of course they did it eventually played on Sky but it, it wasn't what it could have been What? what so what year was that? 1971 that was, that was 1971 <laughs> 2010 2010. The 2010 final that was the first game that we did huh. and uh, so I mean to, moving away from the good times obviously were those uh, <laughs> What, what, well, um, I mean, look at look on the bright side. I mean, we we got an entire New Zealand ice hockey game on Sky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a small it's not a small feat. No, back no. in back in twenty ten, that's that's amazing. You know, so were they even playing NHL games on Sky in twenty ten? No. So what happened yeah, was really. Sky had killed Sky had killed NHL. Yeah. And then I went to them and I said, Hey, how about having the New Zealand uh, a New Zealand game on or some games on? And, you know, we had a reasonable dialogue for a while where we talked about the potential for New Zealand ice hockey to migrate onto Sky. Um, And, you know, a big part of that was that they went back and they looked at the ratings uh, for that uh, USA-Canada final. And they were 14 times higher than than they had expected them to be. (laughs) So what happened in one motion was that, yes, we got that NZIHL game onto Sky, but Sky also went back and re-looked at their decision making around NHL and brought NHL back. And at the time, I think it was only one game a week or something like that, but it was the start of what we see now and we're seeing a lot more games on Sky. So, yeah, that's why that's why we have NHL on Sky, because... Because <laughs> of Jess? We, yeah, we can thank you, Jess. Thank you. Uh, I mean, even if it is only a couple of games a week, it's still, it's better than nothing. And I mean, surely I would think... When ESPN dropped the NHL, I think that probably killed us a lot in New Zealand as well because I remember growing up, that's how I watched it. Yeah, mm, same. No, it's really important to have the NHL um, on Sky. Um, it means that there are a whole bunch of kids out there who are getting into it one way or another. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, and of course, with Game Center, you know, if you're a hardcore fan and fanatical, you can get Game Center and really enjoy 
the NHL that way. Yeah, it's worth, uh, I buy that every year, it's worth every cent. Um, now, just talking about the struggles of getting uh, hockey uh, in New Zealand on TV, you know, talk more of, about your dealings with Sky. I know we've tried to, we tried to push more. Um, you know, it's great to have two to three games a week, but I mean, you know, the fact that the New Zealand Ice Hockey League's not on there, I, I kind of think that's, I think they're missing the mark there. Yeah, so with Sky, I mean, we, we've had a lot of dialogue with Sky over the years because the whole idea was to get the NZIHL onto Sky. We thought it was a really great product. We thought it would um, cross over quite well. Initially, they thought that too, perhaps. Um, and we, we created a roadmap uh, together for how we would um, show the games. Um, I became really quickly aware that filming one game of NZIHL a year wasn't going to grow the game. It wasn't going to help New Zealand ice hockey, uh, really. It was just going to be something that flashed up on people's radar once a year. Like, not enough to see actual genuine growth of yeah. the sport. The, the token throw, like, throw in... Like the Miss Universe. Yeah, it, it was. It just <laughs> a weird analogy. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it just, you know, it was very apparent to me that it wasn't actually going to grow the game. So, um, the next, uh, the next year we went out, we were filming games and putting them up as highlights on YouTube, and um, and then we crowdfunded um, some uh, one piece of streaming equipment that allowed us to stream uh, the final, um, not in 2011 but in 2012. So prior to that, what we've been doing is we've been going out and filming games um, much more randomly and then uploading those to YouTube and people have been getting into them. But the whole idea was to sort of prove the product to Sky. So to show them what it was going to look like, we started building graphics, we started doing all these other little bits and pieces to bring the whole production together to show them what it would be like. Um, and what eventually happened was that we agreed that we'd work towards having a, a half hour magazine show on Sky. So basically half an hour every week, which had highlights from uh, various games around the country with, with interviews and all these sorts of bits and pieces. And so uh, again, we had to prove it. So we started to go out and make all of that content um, before it existed. You know, we went around the country, we shot all these interviews, um, we shot little different segments. Um, we uh, shot training sessions with coaches, just doing like little um, uh, displays uh, on, on whiteboards. Um, we did uh, uh, player profiles, we did all sorts of bits and pieces. The sort of elements that you might see within that sort of a show. And then we started sort of uh, putting it together and each, as each year went by, we had more elements, we had more to show them, and of course the production on the actual games themselves was improving. And then once we had streamed one game, we were able to stream many more. Um, and I think uh, off, the back of, um, off the back of that 2012 final, we then started, uh, we went and did a double IHF tournament. We did a women's tournament, I think that was the first thing we streamed after that. And that was 10 games and you know, the whole thing started to, to sort of come together. And then the following year, uh, instead of having a static score bug, we had an animated one with proper clocks because that was always a problem. Mm -hmm. um, actually, like people would never realize how difficult it was at that time to have a clock running on the screen. Like it was incredibly hard and we really didn't want it to look shit. And <laughs> pretty much every option out there was, was shit. Basically, you would be filming the game clock on a handy cam and then plug that into your mixer and then like crop that out and put that on your screen. And you still see that on lots of streams from around the world. Yeah, you do. You do. It's ugly as sin. So we always wanted to avoid that. We wanted to have a proper game clock. We always wanted it to look as professional as possible. And that's what we were always walk, uh, working towards. 
Um, but as it uh, as it came to pass, uh, just as we were sort of getting everything sorted, you know, we'd managed to do enough work and get enough equipment and, and get the quality of the product um, to a reasonable degree. Uh, Sky decided that they they didn't want to work with us anymore, which was a which was a kick in the guts. It's got to be said. Um, but they were changing their business model and uh, decided that we weren't part of their future plans, or the, certainly not for the next sort of four or five years, which was um, so. In the in the in the timeline of things of Slapshot, that was what was that twenty fifteen, sort of 2015? Yeah, I think it was towards um, yeah, sort of mid two thousand fifteen. I think is when they they pulled the plug. They pulled the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which didn't stop us from going on to continue with the production for the rest of that year and yeah. to produce like really, really good numbers. Because that's the thing people don't realize is just how much the numbers go up year on year. Like it's it's amazing, like how many more people are watching. Um, and it's getting to the point now, and I, I always sort of knew this would happen, but it's still a buzz when you're at the, um, when you're at the rinks and the little kids will come up to you um, one of them this year, amazing. He's just like, I can't live without this. He's telling me, oh. like pulling on my pulling on my coat to tell me that I can't live without this. Thank you so much for doing this. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have the streams. Thanks. Wow, that's and, cool. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and we have stories like that just all the time, but it's still an awesome buzz when when they come up to you and do that, and you can see, like you see firsthand the difference the video coverage has had over the over a period of time especially the junior kids you know if the streaming continues for the next five years those kids are going to start to reach the end of their teens and that's going to be a real watershed moment in terms of where new zealand ice hockey goes so it's very cool what's been the um the major kind of shit problems that you have to shit storms you have to deal with with the streams (laughs) (laughs) how long you got (laughs) Like, the entire time that we've been building this up, I mean, we've been right on the crest of um, of the technology. Yeah. So everything that we've been doing has been state-of-the-art. And I've always been dealing with um, other companies overseas about what they're doing and how their production's working. And I get so many questions from other companies who come to me and they want to know how I'm doing things. They're like, that's impossible. You're not supposed to be able to do that. How are you doing that? <laughs> you know, we built, um, for the score bug, um, the Australians, ATC Productions, James and ATC Productions in Australia, who have been really supportive of uh, everything we've done. Um, you know, they were really cool. They built their own software with a Casper CG server to be able to run um, uh, the game graphics. And we were looking at using the same um, same package that had been built by this, uh, by this Russian graphic designer. And they weren't running it the same way as us because uh, they, they, for the most part, are set up when they're streaming live in the, in the Melbourne ice rink. Um, whereas we wanted to be completely mobile um, which is quite a different um, different setup to them. God, it's uh, I I remember that you know from 2015, just hauling all those fucking cases of gear through all the airports. Um, Jesus, that was, <laughs> part and parcel, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, all of the equipment, all the cases, everything. It's all about being portable. So each one weighs 23 kgs, which is the limit for Air New Zealand. Oh no, yeah, no. And <laughs> there are seven of them, and that is a lot of weight to be um, bustling around the country with. Um, you gotta love the looks you get in the airport carrying all that stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, you know, I discovered that um, some of these Aero cricket bags were were basically the same as production bags, but about a fifth of the price. 
nice. So I have a whole bunch of these massive, quite robust Aero cricket cases, um, which are full of TV gear, and people think I'm a black cap. <laughs> and they ask me, they ask me where I'm touring. They ask yeah. me where I've just come back from, and uh, you know how the team's going. And I tell them. It's <laughs> it's, it's funny because you know I've had the same thing uh, coming in and out of the Queenstown airport, and they'll ask me, "Oh, you're with the black caps?" I'm like. Look at me. Do I look like I'm a pro cricket? <laughs> no. <laughs> I reckon you could you could bowl one down pretty quickly. No, he's their, he's their fitness uh, manager. <laughs> I um, but what we'd done with the Casper CG server with our one um, that no one else was really doing at the time is we took a, um, you know, I I do an enormous amount of research to make the equipment work. Um, I do huge amounts of reading and then I look at what equipment's available and then I sort of figure out solutions. Um. Something we did was build a Casper CG server into a Mac Mini, uh, and then used a, a Blackmagic uh, uh, Ultra Studio as, as the interface to run two channels. And no one else had done it. Like there had been all of this talk on message boards um, from overseas because Casper CG's um, Swedish software. All this talk about whether it could work, and then I was like, "Well, I've looked at the specs. I think it could. I'm just going to go for it." So. You know, drop a couple of grand on a Mac Mini and <laughs> see if I could make it happen. And then um, James from uh, ATC in Australia, you know, he basically went in the back end. We loaded Windows into this um, Mac Mini, and and he made it go. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's is that is incredible. that why you went to Sweden a couple of years ago? There was it was kind of a holiday, kind of a work trip. Uh, no, there was there was an opportunity. You know, I was in Finland, and there was an opportunity to go and talk to these uh, these guys and um, these guys in Sweden about uh, what they were doing um, with their equipment and their business and the strategy and things like that. Um, at the time, there there you know the the world of instant replays was just sort of opening up. And, um, and I was really interested in what all of these companies are doing. Now, there were a lot more of them at the time, and now they've kind of slimmed down. But um, they were doing really, really cool stuff, and I thought, okay, I'll go visit them. And then in going to visit them, um, they very kindly gifted me a couple of pieces of equipment, which we've used ever since. But uh, very, very clever, very clever people. Shout out to the Swedes. Yeah, shout out to the Swedes. Um, what's, the, um, what's the worst case scenario you received like a text or a phone call pre pre weekend of games from someone in the crew who's obviously traveling to do something um there's been a lot <laughs> one that's fresh in my mind and it's only because i saw a photo on instagram recently was um you know we had two kits running simultaneously uh, which was a major step up in production. It's like, okay, we're not just streaming in one center now, we're streaming in two. Like, it's, it's quite incredible undertaking, you know, we're it, doing it was, four games a weekend or whatever it is. Yeah, it was amazing. So I was watching streaming your guys' games this year, and it was pretty ridiculous that in New Zealand you would be able to watch games from two different towns across a weekend of ice hockey yeah of new zealand ice hockey at the same yeah. time and yeah. you would have multiple cameras and you would yeah. have um working score bugs and you'd have yeah. really great commentary and all that sort of stuff like ahl production kind of values yes that's in, right. new, in new zealand yeah and that's the kind of feedback we get from overseas it's like how is yours so good how is yours so good we have to watch really really crappy streams all the time over here in america streams yeah. that they have to pay quite a lot of money for yeah that's and i remember uh, getting like a comment on twitter or something i i can't remember the guy's name but uh, i know he's like quite a follower of slapshot and you know he was just like the ahl system we pay so much money 
and it's not even as good as what you guys are doing here. Mm. And uh, you know, when I saw that, I was like, "That's a you know, that's a good little victory for uh, for a little company like Slapshot." Mm. And it's free. Yeah, it is free. <laughs> um, I'll come back to strategy. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back to strategy on that one. Um, first of all, I'll talk about one of the worst things that ever happened. So I'm in Queenstown, and we just shipped off a case uh, for them to stream a game uh, the following week. And uh, it's a it's a big road case, and it's got a tripod legs and a camera in it, and all the other bits and pieces that are required for streaming. And we were sending it um, from Queenstown to Auckland for that uh, weekend's games. And on the day of the games, uh, I get this call. Um, I think it was from Bryn, who was uh, filming the game that weekend in Auckland, um, who does just a massive job uh, in Auckland. He's also flown down and done games in Dunedin and Queenstown. Um, huge effort. He uh, he rings me up and he's like, where's the gear? I'm like, oh, it should be there. You know, it's been sent there. And around about that exact moment, uh, the case was re-delivered back to us at the Queenstown ring. Oh, shit. And I walk out of the office and it's just standing there, <laughs> just standing straight up in the middle of the room. We never saw the courier. It's just standing there. It's just standing there mocking you. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you're supposed to be in Auckland streaming a game and like, two hours or three hours or whatever it was fuck you bucks and i was just like so blown away but all i'd done is read the um read the re- the sender address on the box and then delivered it back to where it came from oh man so you sent it to yourself <laughs> they sent it to us and we never got a refund either so post haste if you're listening that's 200 dollars i want back thanks very much damn yeah i think we should <laughs> i was i was i was pretty filthy about it um because there aren't very many ga- there aren't very many times where you know, we've streamed over 200 games. I think in total, maybe two or three have been missed or completely crapped out. Maybe four. That's a, that's yeah. a pretty good uh, strike rate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in that kind of situation, how did you handle that? Um, I got a hot chocolate and a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I sat around the Queenstown Arena and got back onto social media and tried to let as many people as possible know that we wouldn't be streaming from Auckland that day. So... And uh, when you put things like that out on social media to say, hey, we're really sorry, but it's just we can't stream this game today. Do you get a lot of sympathy for that or do you get a lot of hate or like what goes on there? <laughs> so um, I don't know if people realize, but we do get a lot of hate mail. Um, it's it's a really weird thing because the quality. Really? Yes. <laughs> people, I thought people were like the nicest people Internet people, especially. <laughs> especially when you get stuff for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one of the funny quirks of it, eh? They're getting it for free, but uh, the quality of it, because it looks so good uh, most of the time, people expect it to be like that all of the time. And they expect it to be really good, and they expect it to always be free. So you're telling me you're not NBC, okay. No, and if, and they have no idea like what we're doing it for and just how little money there is to play with. Um so whenever anything goes wrong, and even it can be the slightest thing, I get messages on Facebook, I get messages on Twitter, I get messages on live stream, I get emails, I get texts, I get phone calls, I get I, I get absolutely bombarded if the slightest thing goes wrong. And I'm talking about, okay, so the stream's up, everyone's watching the game, the commentators are there doing the commentary, but the score bug's not up. Mm-hmm. I will, oh, I will, end of the world. I will get 20, 30 messages about that. Wow. Like that... 
like that is how uh, it's kind of cool because it shows that people are really emotionally involved with the hockey, which yeah. is great. Engaged yeah. in yeah, they're, the they're fully engaged. But man, the re- the reality <laughs> <laughs> the reality is you have a whole bunch of volunteers, um, some of whom have some technical experience, some who have none. That we're training on the job just because they love hockey, and. And they're getting berated like online. It's pretty harsh. Yeah, it's. I think that's the thing that um, people they they need to know about about that is that all of this is driven by volunteers and any money that is in the budget. It's pretty much gone into the operation of mm. making this even happen. I mean, for me personally, it's been you know I've learned a lot from doing all the stuff with Slapshot over the last couple of years. Um, I definitely don't think I would be where I am today if I weren't for it. Um, like even in that first that first week when we did the under-20s in Dunedin, um, the HF tournament, you know, we just, that was, oh, that's one of the best fucking weeks of my life, man. Like, you know, it was a core group of what? There was like five of us mm. and we just, yeah, best time just putting on hockey every day. Um, and I think, yeah, just the fact that you've got so much volunteer power. You got this like this little army of people all around the country that help you out because they love hockey and oh, and they're just good people. Well, that's the funny thing. There's over fifty of them now. Yeah, there's over fifty, which that's, is that's crazy. Growing. You know, and and a lot of them have no interest in ice hockey. They really have no interest in ice hockey whatsoever. The commentators generally do, but a lot of the production people don't. They've only grown to enjoy the sport through being involved in the production, and they're only involved in the production because they're having a fun time doing it, you know, for the most part. And that's that's really cool. It's really fun. You know, I've made all these extra new friends all around the country just through through doing this production. And those people, those people who work behind the scenes on Slapshot are very cool people. Like, they are just the best. And I've had some wonderful times. Not always when we've been on air either. I mean, you can have a lot of fun on air, but when you're caught short, stuck between two towns, running out of petrol, staying in a backpack, is whatever's happening, you know, um, it's brilliant. It's brilliant fun. (laughs) Yeah. And those IIHF tournaments are quite special because, you know, you get to be there for an entire week. You might cover 10, 15, 20 games. And you are a real core unit. You're all staying in a motel together. You're getting to know each other quite uh, intimately and um, having a laugh. And the best thing is you're not packing up the gear every single day and getting on a plane and flying to the next place. I I really enjoyed just going like that five-minute walk from the ring to the motel and we would just sit there, drink beer, and watch Ren and Stimpy. That was... That was awesome. <laughs> that's that's coming down after shooting three games of hockey in a day. Yeah. People don't realize how hard it is to shoot three games of hockey in a day. Like it's very draining. Oh yeah, it's taxing. Mm. <laughs> and and you're, but you're leaving. You're leaving now. Yeah, I'm leaving. Um, Slapshot will keep going, but uh, I'm leaving. I'm going to the UK. Um, just seeing what's out there in terms of uh, opportunities and things like that. I mean, when I first started Slapshot, I mean, I didn't really mean for it to to go anywhere. Um, you know, I was hoping that, uh, you know, we'd be able to get some production up and, uh, and turn some games over. But that first year when we were doing... Um, when we were doing the game for Sky, uh, I was 29 when we first started. I'm 36 now. Um, I only started a company because I had to. I had to hire people to film that game. I couldn't legally do that without having a an entity to do it through so slapshot began and i actually started slapshot with um with another guy um but he bailed 
And he's the one who wanted to call it Slapshot. Anyone who's listening out there, I never wanted to call it Slapshot. I hate that name. I hate it. Can, can we, because he's a colleague of ours, can we Can we name drop him? No. Oh, no, I won't do that. Okay. I don't like name dropping. I don't like um, rumors and, and bullshit. But he, um, so what yeah. was the name that you wanted? Yeah. I wanted to call the company Two Man Advantage. Oh, yeah. At the start, because there were two of us and, you know, it's a hockey term and um, and it kind of opened us up to do other production stuff as well, um, which Slapshot doesn't. Everyone's just like hockey, 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 hockey. It could be like you could do group six scenes. Yeah. The two-man advantage. Don't think that sort of thing is. Oh, live think, streaming that. Whoa. I, honestly, it's funny when you're a small video production company, what gets put on the table? What people inquire about and what they want to know, what you can do. And what, what and is the weirdest thing that you've been proposed well, or por- shot? Pornography is one of them. But we, we didn't film any pornography. <laughs> but we had an inquiry about wow. doing a multi camera pornographic shoot in Wellington. With, with, with commentary and a live score? A clock? No. <laughs> no. And it's interesting, like, there's. Um, Oh, I, I forget what the term is. It was I'm like, watching my porn and I don't have a clock on the screen. God damn it. There, there's, there's some sort of like special name for like private, private pornography, like angel pornography or something like that, where people basically hire a video production company to come in and film them having sex right but for their own private use so yeah only. so you're producing like a personal sex tape for them yeah that's right <laughs> like that's an actual <laughs> thing that happens and it does happen in new zealand it's wow. it's it's one of those <laughs> that's a that's the filthy things. underground of um, video production in new zealand right there uh yeah i guess <laughs> Hang on. so why wouldn't you just film it yourself on your own camera rather than risk a company coming and filming you and having that information and video footage. Well, I don't know, to but do with whatever I think, they wanted. You know, cameras and phones and stuff like that. Like the the quality of those has gone up dramatically. You know, maybe um, maybe there's a real slide in 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 the underground pornographic filming <laughs> world in New Zealand. You know, maybe that maybe the money's not there anymore. Maybe maybe those rich couples living in Central Otago who used to want to get this sort of thing done, they just they're just like, nah, we'll get our cousin to do it on his phone. Maybe that, that's where it's at now. Oh, is that God. why you're leaving? Is that why you're leaving? <laughs> the country <laughs> yeah because the money the money's dried up the, the money was, money the money was always very dry oh. um yeah no it's uh it's not it's definitely not the money like every year usually the the production budget is is going up it's certainly not going down um and we're certainly able to do more you know we've put a lot of investment into the equipment itself and being able to put the best product we possibly can out there you know the the only thing that's really standing in the way of uh, a top flight quality product week in week out is just the internet connections you know the fact that all the rinks don't have fiber internet connections when they really absolutely should um if anyone's listening to this and that includes the rink owners if anyone wants to um put uh, just a i don't think it'd even be that much of an investment really i'm pretty sure that fiber gets hooked up for free even if you're a business so it's just about having it done going through that process and and then utilizing it um yeah and i mean uh, on a you know in a business sense i mean that makes sense just for them just for themselves yeah yeah you would you would think like that but not necessarily everybody does but um, there is a huge advantage in, in all of the rinks having fiber. And, you know, they're just future-proofing themselves anyway. It's got to happen at some point. Why not do it now? Yeah. And um, that would pretty much solve every technical issue that we face in terms of turning around our productions. Because 
um, we invested um, more in our kit over the last year and really shored up any sort of technical errors at our end. Um, the only technical problems we've had are around internet connections. And so if we had a really good internet connection every time we went out to film, I think all of that hate mail would dry up. I don't think I'd get any more. <laughs> so when you when you get an internet dropout, what do you do? What do you do to handle that? Like, do you have a uh, backup plan? It's quite difficult because we don't always know. Because the way the um, hardware and the software works, um, it can drop out, but it'll continue to stream on a on a local kind of. Well, it's it's more that. Um, the way it works with live stream anyway is that it might drop out, but then it'll restart. It does that automatically. So we might not see that on our screen, like the little um, guide that we have on the screen that goes red and tells you it's not there. It might do that, but it might only do that for five, 10 seconds and then go green again. <laughs> so we might be doing something completely different in that time, not even notice it, and then come back and it's green. Oh, that's fine. And then we'll get all this like, <laughs> this barrage of tweets and texts and the phone love. calls. You'll get that internet like, love. <laughs> and you'd be like, what, what's going on? You know, it looks fine at our end. We don't know. And if there has been a dropout, all people need to do is refresh their browser and it'll keep going. Um, there you go. Of, little IT tip. Yeah, yeah. One of the real hassles, though, with when it does that is um, at the end of the game, it, it only ever loads the last clip. So if it's dropped out two or three times during a game, then we have to go back in, we have to find those clips, we have to restream them or upload them again so that people can see them because otherwise, you know, there might only be a portion of a game up. And that's a really, that's a really big hassle and a massive time suck. Like, it's a huge pain in the bum. Is, like, <laughs> is there any, uh, um, like, alternatives to live stream? they can use instead of like like is that part of the problem now these days we've definitely looked at alternatives other than live stream there's definitely alternatives out there i mean when we when we first started we started using live stream because it was the best option available it's not necessarily the best option available now and we've had that dialogue with live stream um, because we haven't always gotten along there <laughs> there's been issues at their end and issues at our end and we've said you know why is this happening and um you know why are we paying to use your uh, use your company when we can do it for free through someone else. But we've built up quite an established following uh, through live stream. People know where to go. They're familiar with the interface. So for the time being, anyway, we'll continue to use them. Um, but that's not to say we'll continue to use them in the future. Uh, Technology is always changing. And um, who knows? Who knows where it could go? Because um, I think you've, have you told me the story before where at games, you guys would be using your 3G to off people's phones yes to, to stream the we, connection we've absolutely done that there uh, the internet around the country varies greatly um dunedin and queenstown have both invested in their internet and therefore the streams that come out of those two venues are generally really solid and of quite a high quality um the two auckland rinks and the christchurch rink um not so much and uh, there have been times where the quality of the internet does fluctuate and we've got a better internet connection off using a 3G data stick than we have using a wired connection, which is bizarre. <laughs> that but, is ridiculous. But that is, that is the reality. So the, I would add a pinch of the 200 or so games that we've streamed, say that probably about half have come off data stick, which is wow. pretty nuts. Yeah. Like, that's pretty insane. That's, uh, that's really mobile for you. Yeah, like it's kind of cool because you kind of say, wow, the technology is there that we could actually do this. But at the same time, like not ideal. And of course, the quality um, 
can go up and down. I mean, we've streamed games with a quality you wouldn't even notice a difference. Like, but that's just dumb luck. That's just luck. <laughs> it really is. It is luck. And one of the things that we really weren't prepared for, especially in this last season, because um, we didn't really notice it in 2015, but definitely in 2016, is that if we are going off a data stick, you know, we're connecting to the nearest cell tower. Well, if everyone in the stands is also connecting to the nearest cell tower, then that's going to control the amount of bandwidth that's available. But if everyone in the stands is on their phone streaming the game that you're streaming, <laughs> that really eats up the bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what started to happen. People are sitting in the stands, either watching the game that we are, so we're sitting there you're there but you are also streaming that game um or you're streaming the game that's in the other part of the country and so i mean that's really that's pretty cool, cool. That's, that's, yeah. so, that's, that's so cool but if we're streaming to the nearest cell tower as well that's a real bugger and that can cause dropouts and like, we just didn't anticipate that we didn't anticipate people watching the games on their phone at the game that we were streaming at I don't even know if that sentence made sense. <laughs> like, no, I, I think it does. <laughs> I, I doubt there would be like rugby fans because apparently rugby is awesome. Um, that would go to a rugby game, like a net, like NPC game or whatever. That would be at that game, and then on their SkyGo streaming another rugby game. I doubt that would happen in New Zealand. And apparently, it's the biggest sport in New Zealand. Yeah, it's 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 a really it's a really weird one. Like we just didn't anticipate it at all. But uh, it does mean that if anything goes wrong, people are very quick to come over. Um, they <laughs> yeah. will come over, and and I feel sorry uh, for our volunteers because people aren't always very polite. Um, and they'll come over, and there might be say a camera operator who's currently operating a camera, or a commentator who's currently commentating the game, uh, who's coned off by the way who's removed from the rest those of the cones crowd. don't mean shit cones don't do anything bags don't do anything that no, you can you can you can point at your headphones and be like i'm on air or point at your camera and tell them that you're on air and they just think that's a, a good enough excuse to continue the conversation at close quarters or indeed to increase their volume um while talking to you and and point wildly at their phone <laughs> and try to get their message across that's, that uh, that's when you need to do a, a knee from catfish moment and just grab the phone and throw it on the ice and be like that's what I think. Uh, we're not we're not that cool, um, and and we certainly couldn't afford to replace their their phone. Um, <laughs> we're we're not insured for rage damage, but uh, I bet there's been a bit of rage though. There has been some rage. We um, we were playing with GoPros. And we set up this wireless GoPro system that no one else was really doing. We were using wireless HDMI transmitters to put the um, wireless GoPro signals straight into the switcher. Um, and we definitely would have done more of that if we'd been able to rig them into the replay machine, but we never really got that far. Um, money is really the problem on that front. But um, we were doing some cool things. And the first day that we were testing it in Avondale, uh, we had it set up in the in the penalty box because if you're going to use GoPros for that sort of thing, I always feel like you should use them for very specific shots. So we should put them inside the nets or inside the penalty box, you know, not on the glass because yep. that shot looks terrible. Yeah. Um, and so we had it set up in the penalty box and we were testing it and we had the signal going back to the switcher. And we're like, oh yeah, this all looks very cool. And then the Stampede player who was in the box saw it, had an NHL meltdown and smashed the camera with a stick. <laughs> and so for the rest of the season, while we had planned to have that shot available, we no longer did um, because we didn't have the footage of which player it was. 
Um, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't Hayden Argyle that. It wasn't. It wasn't Hayden Argyle. No. Someone was having an Andrew Shaw moment, having a tanty. I, I know. I know who it was now. I know who it was now. Um, but it took an awful long time to find out. But yeah, that kind of ruined it for the entire season. Like that's the kind of budget that we're on. We'd built this little system to be able to give us these camera angles with inside uh, inside the penalty box. And on the very first day, it got smashed by a player, and that's that. We just didn't do it again. So, um, I, I think uh, we didn't touch that idea again until the under twenties tournament the following year yeah um, I, I remember playing, well, I had a little bit more money to fix yeah, it and make I it remember go. playing with that we we set up the uh, GoPro in the penalty box and it, I guess it's a different attitude for the international games because a lot of those guys that go into the penalty box they weren't pissed off they sat down there they'd see the camera they might flash a smile or give a wave or something or they'll carry on shouting out of the ref but they're not taking the aggression out on the camera no it was a really um, it was a really strange thing to happen but it's not like it's the only time um it's uh, it's sort of unfortunate. I think it shows a little bit of a disconnect around you know what we do with our time and as volunteers and um, certainly in terms of investing in the equipment, like to go in and just smash one of the cameras with a hockey stick was a massive dick move. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah, thanks, dude. You know who you are. <laughs> so you did approach them about a refund? Uh, no, I. It was a really difficult. Um, it was actually a really difficult uh, little uh, scenario um, because I had to say something. Thing. like you know you can't do this I never got to speak to the player in question but you know I spoke to the management of the team and we agreed that it should never happen again but the team also said that they weren't going to pay to replace the equipment so um, you know that's why we got stuck in that situation it's like well you know obviously they're going to go away and talk to the team and tell them not to do that but at the same time we don't get to replace the equipment that they broke so you know and that's just the that's just the realities of the nature of the league how small um it can be at times uh, how tight the budgets are not just for us but for them you know it's difficult at least get a like an apology from the dude would have been yeah would have been nice yeah but you know <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's a gc it's a shame. Uh, <laughs> now, so why are you leaving the country? You haven't even touched on that yet. Um, where, where are you going? Um, I'm going to London. I had been going to comedy television school, but I no longer am. But um, my interest has always been in comedy. Um, a lot of people within the hockey community would never know that. And I'm happy to keep it that way. Obviously, this interview changes things. Yeah, this, you're blown, your yeah. entire cover is blown. Yeah, Jez is a funny guy, by the way. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to a muscular gentleman coming up and asking me to tell a joke. And me just staring back. Well, I think I think one of the first times I ever met you, because we work in the same building at the moment, and we'd met over email and gifts, mm. I think. Um you came up to me and said, Oh, is that a is that a photography studio in there? And I was like, Yeah, 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 it's just past my desk there. And you were like, Oh yeah. I need to get a photo taken of a full me in a full white morph suit. I was like, uh, oh, hi, how's it going? That's the, uh, <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you. I often cut to the chase. I don't, I don't like to waste a lot of time. I will, I will often cut to the chase. Uh, it was a hell of an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the birth of the, um, the infamous morph suit. Photos. No, I'd been doing, I'd been doing, um, those, uh, those gigs for a while. Um, and if people don't know, I do wear a full white lycra onesie and play the ukulele on occasion. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, going to London is all about um, trying to work in, in, in comedy. I mean, the fact is here in New Zealand, we produce very little television comedy. Um, it's, it's very, very limited. 
and the opportunities are very limited and the kinds of comedy that we produce are very limited. Um, which isn't knocking the comedians in New Zealand. I think New Zealand comedy has been on the grow for many, many years and has really established itself. Um, but you aren't going to be able to produce a series like Flight of the Concords in New Zealand. No. And they knew that. And yeah. They went overseas and they had it done overseas. And the way production works in New Zealand, you've got a lot of fingers in the pies. When Flight of the Concords made their series overseas, they're essentially handed the budget by, uh, HBO. by, by HBO and yeah. say, hey, go make your show. And if it's any good, we'll sign you up again it's very very different in new zealand like we don't have room for pilots and we don't have room for mistakes you know there's this very finite budget and it's all about making sure that everything works it's also about creating quite homogenized content which appeals to the largest and broadest audience but the problem with that is it's generally pretty lame and lame comedy doesn't work so you know, you, you go out, you have uh, a whole lot of uh, criteria that you have to fulfill in terms of putting your production together. Production house has to work with the broadcaster and have that signed off before they can even go to New Zealand on an air to ask for money to make a production. Um, the writers who write the content in the first place and pitch it to a production house, you know, that content might be changed dramatically once it gets to the point of dealing with the broadcaster because the broadcaster is going to have a very defined idea in their head of this whole they want to fill in their schedule. And so um, what the initial idea is and what it eventually is once it gets to television can be very, very different things. And the unfortunate um, part of that uh, production process can be that uh, it's actually the comedy that falls by the wayside in, in going through that process. But you, you don't want to be dealing with so many producers um, at every single level, like people from the production house and um, people from the broadcaster and people from New Zealand on air, all these people who want, have like this vested interest in, in your program, um, changing it, shaping it away from its original concept. And I think that's where a lot of New Zealand programming, not just comedy, um, sort of falls over. Um, and it kind of bums me out. And I'm kind of <laughs> sick of it. So you're out of here. You're and like... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see what the opportunities are overseas. I have a UK passport. Um, I can go and work over there, and I think I'd be foolish if I didn't take the opportunity now. You know, I'm 36, um, no hope of owning a home. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you could go down to Gore, maybe? Yeah. Uh, in Chicago? Well, yeah, maybe, but at the same time, you know, I don't know what my my options in terms of employment might be uh, <laughs> down there producing wall-to-wall comedy television in Gore. <laughs> I hear there's a massive underground porn market in oh, Gore. Oh, Central Otago. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. But, you know, that's all private. It's not on TV. I wouldn't get to share that with the world and be proud of it in any way. Um, yeah, it's, it, New Zealand's limited. You know, I, I've heard other people say, you know, New Zealand's a great place to get a start. Um, but if you want to take your career further, you've got to go somewhere else. And that's pretty much the case, I think. Um, and that's certainly how I've found it to be. Uh, so in terms of my own personal aspirations, in terms of how I want to work with comedy, you know, I think my best bet's to go to the UK and see what happens and... Um, and if it doesn't work out, come back with my tail between my legs and move to Gore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Backup plan. Um, so I guess you're going to London with an open mind then? I'm going with a pretty open mind. You know, I, I basically, you know, I don't have great expectations. It would just be nice to work in a, in a comedy production house with other funny people making funny stuff. Um, one of the things I enjoy the very most about doing Slapshot is that so many of the people who have come in over the years, they've come in because they enjoy my company. Um, I'm a funny person, they're generally funny people, and we have a, a quite a fun time behind the scenes. Um, I hate to be this honest, but uh, some of the 
some of the conversations that get had on the comms behind uh, behind the scenes are, are pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, looking at you, Red. <laughs> looking at a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of very, very funny people involved with Slapshot. I know, you got to be very careful sometimes. Uh, some of the chat on the comms does get onto the broadcast. The hot mic. <laughs> yeah. The hot mic. The hot mic. It doesn't seem to matter how many times I tell people that the mics are on either. Um, <laughs> it still happens from time to time. Some of the conversations, or some of the uh, the blue the blue language. So what's what's happening with Slapshot now that you're? I mean, you're I going? Um, I had always planned to sort of run it and own it from overseas, but um, the government made changes around um, health and safety legislation, and uh, you know they they had the brouhaha with the the foreign trusts and ownership from overseas, which has made it more difficult for me to to run it from overseas. So at the moment, looking to either sell the business to someone within the Slapshot group, um, or another uh, video production person who is looking to expand on what we're currently doing, um, or uh, maybe go into partnership with somebody else. But the partnership option, I'm sort of less less interested in um, because of the difficulty again of me being overseas uh, and the liability involved in that. So uh, certainly short term, Slapshot will keep going. We'll be filming the Under 20s tournament um, in January in Dunedin and uh, most likely the NZIHL season for next year certainly uh, looks like it's going to happen. Hopefully we pick up the contract for the senior men's tournament in April too. I think we've got a very good track record of producing good quality hockey content and I'd like that to continue. Uh, but uh, beyond that, it's uh, it's hard to know. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of really good people um, involved with Slapshot. I think it's uh, it's more around financing. Um, so if there was a really uh, interested philanthropist floating around in the ether out there listening to this hockey podcast for one reason or another, boy, have I got the deal for you. We are recording this in a building of a multi-platform media company. Surely one of them would come down and just snap it up just like that. Yeah, nah, they, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, honestly, it's I, don't, I honestly don't think it's a problem with the content. I think the content's really good, and I think it's only getting better. And I think the audience base is getting really large too. You know, yeah, we're yeah. averaging something like 3,000, 3,500 viewers um, per game, which I think is like pretty much on par with what you get on television anyway. Yeah. The problem is that the advertising agencies are just obsessed with television. Mm. You know, for them, that's still the be all and end all. Yet we can track all of the data that comes with all of our viewers. We know how old they are. We know where they're yeah, watching yeah. from. You know, we know that, for example, um, New Zealand viewership is always going up, but the New Zealand slice of the pie is always getting smaller because we're attracting an ever increasing and larger uh, foreign audience. Yeah. yeah, and you know, a big part of that is because it's free. The reason that the stream is free is because um, we did some testing in 2015. You know, we split the production. We were uh, we streamed like 24 games for free, and we had 20 games that you could pay for to watch. But it just didn't work. You know, what we learned through that process was that the technology wasn't up to scratch in terms of being able to deliver um, what all these companies sold to us. They're like, it's going to be like this. It's going to be so easy. It was a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> it was so hard to use and just, you know, everyone hated it. But, you know, <laughs> we hated it. The fans hated it. There was still hockey being streamed, but man, it was it was hard on the nerves. Um, and that was Livestream's fault and also the pay window company Clean, who it just really made things hard. What we discovered was there were 184 people in New Zealand who were willing to part with their money to watch the stream. And I, it wasn't it wasn't even very much money. I was one of them. Love you. Yeah. By the way. Um, 
I wasn't because I was I was already working on it. Yeah, <laughs> you were partying with your time. Yeah. Oh, the perks. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, 184 people. Now, when you take 184 people and you measure that up against you know three three and a half thousand who are watching the game. You know, we're just doing so much more for junior hockey and growing the game in New Zealand by keeping it free. Mm. And that's been the idea all along. Now, every year I deal with someone who's pitching to me that we need to charge for the viewing. But we know that if we do that, we're only going to get about 200 people watching and it's going to kill it. You know, so that's just not the way to go. The way to go is to find sponsors and advertisers who want to be involved with the product and get them on board. Um, We don't have the capacity at Slapshot to have a sales arm. Uh, I don't think the NZIHL really has the capacity to have a sales arm, but that's what's really missing from the game Mm. in terms of bringing a larger budget into the production because currently the production is really, really good. Um, so once again, if that philanthropist is out there, that's the angle you take. <laughs> so you'd say that's kind of if if hockey, both broadcasting and just hockey in general, is if that is to grow in New Zealand, that's the key. I think um, I think what's missing at the moment is there's an opportunity there to attach advertising and sponsorship to a really good product. You know, we have a really good audience coming in week after week uh, who are coming into the rinks, and we have a really good product that's going out on air every week that people are engaging with in a major way. Um, you know, we've grown this massive social media base in terms of Facebook and Twitter and all these other followers. We've got, you know, at least 2,000 people who sign up every week on uh, live stream who come in. Um, um, then all of the extra people who watch um, on and off. So, And, of course, we shoot everything to broadcast standards. So when we can, we share that content with uh, television stations. And it was always geared that way because we were always going to make the shift to Sky. When Sky backed out, well, we offered that content up to you know places like Channel 9 and CTV and Christchurch. And, and they played the games. And we reached a, another whole new audience. Um, admittedly, a much more elderly audience. <laughs> but they loved it. They were so into it. That's awesome. And, you know, the thing that really changed, um, you know, the, a lot of people are becoming more technically savvy. Um, so while there are a lot of young people who are watching the streams and re-watching the streams, because we basically double the viewership off the back end of a game finishing, and that's mostly the younger ones who go and watch it again. Um, uh, the parents and stuff are so much more engaged now in terms of watching on the phones. They're the ones who are watching on the phones at the games. So, you know, people are all over it. There is an opportunity there. The numbers are really solid. It's just about finding the right sponsor. You know, we can't go out and talk to what might seem like an obvious sponsor. You can't go to someone like Coca-Cola and go, hey, you know, we've got this great thing. Do you want to come and spend 50, 60 grand with us? Because they're not interested. They're spending a million dollars somewhere else because that's where they're at, you know. Mm. So finding those medium-sized businesses to become a sponsor is actually quite difficult because... Mm. You, they're probably not apparent to you. You know, they're not. They're not a visual thing. They're not advertising on television as it currently stands. Probably, you know. So, finding them is quite tough. And it would be a full time job for someone to go out there and and try and track those down and build the game. How do you feel about um, the? I don't want to say the fall, but um, with CTV, um, you know, not broadcasting anymore and only going digital. You know, how do you feel about that with the way they've treated you with hockey? Oh, they've always been really great to deal with. I understand that that business model is shifting and changing, but now we become a direct competitor, you know, and that's not necessarily ideal. I mean, we might be able to give them a stream to embed on uh, on their website, perhaps, but uh, the great advantage for us working with them was always to have the games on terrestrial television because it's a different way to reach an audience. Um, one of the one of the problems with streaming online is always going to be reach. 
um, we don't have a budget to go out and put Google ads out there or mm. Facebook ads typically. We do do some Facebook advertising, but not much, mm. to try and, um, and draw people into that audience. Because first and foremost, and people probably be surprised by this, but my main goal is to sell tickets on the day. I want more people in the rinks. That's why we do the streaming, is to get more people in the rinks. And so we don't go out and crow about the streaming and say, hey, you've got to watch the stream. We go out and say, you've got to go to the game. Yeah, if you can't get to the game, watch the stream. Well, the yeah. game's always yeah. going to be better than the stream. Yeah. Or go to the game and watch the stream at the same time. Well, yeah. clearly people are doing that too. <laughs> but, you know. Those people are on your side. We've always been gearing it that way. And it's always been about increasing the quality of the product. And that's why I got so involved with the merchandising for the NZIHL. For me, improving the atmosphere in the rinks is the number one thing that needs to happen. And I've always been really involved in that, especially with the merchandising. So... Um, before I came along, there was pretty much no merchandising or it was pretty poor. Um, and then I came in, I designed all the scarves, I got the official pucks done, um, encouraged all of the teams to have hats, to do replica jerseys, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, they'd had sort of things like that off and on in the past, but it just hadn't been as organized as it is now and certainly not as, um, as visual as it, is, as it is now. You can look at the finals that we did in uh, 2010 and 2011, packed houses uh, in, uh, in Auckland, no one's wearing any merchandise at all. You wouldn't know who they were supporting. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't know they were at a hockey game. <laughs> like, it's, you look at those shots, you'd be like, who are these people? They're watching netball. We don't know. It's like uh, those old-timey, uh, you know, baseball photos and everyone in the crowd isn't wearing merchandise at all. They're in mm. suits. and Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now you go to an NZIHL game, there's so many replica jerseys. Everyone's got scarves and hats. Um, I really loved the collector's cards. That was an initiative I really loved because the kids were just so cool about it. The kids were just so amped to get them... Uh, signed um, they were just you know it was a great way for the kids to learn all the stats like those kids just knew so much more about hockey just all of a sudden just from collecting these cards with the stats on them and admittedly I think some of the players were kind of stoked about it too <laughs> yeah. they didn't want to be they all tried to play it really cool like, I don't care it is cool though, I don't care you, you kinda... but you saw them stealing yeah. the cards <laughs> you saw them like go through and try to pick their own card out of all the decks to send to their families and stuff so it was a really neat thing um, we couldn't do it this year we just just couldn't do it um as similar um with uh having the games on television in dunedin and stuff we just couldn't do it this year i think budget wise we're about 350 dollars a week short of wow. being able to do that Man, that's so much. and things like that like that's this that's how slim the margins are like it's 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 it wouldn't take much more money for us to really blow the cover off it. It's just that we haven't found that money yet. And I think that comes down to having a full-time sales position, which I can't afford to pay for. And that's probably something the league needs to look at. Well, I would love nothing more than to see the NZIHL grow further. I know you're exactly the same, Logan. Totally. Um, so I, I absolutely hope that happens. And I feel like we could go on and talk to you forever, Jez, but we, uh, I think we need to wrap this up. So thank you so much for coming in and joining us on the show. And now, don't forget the IIHF Division Three Men's Under-20 World Championship. Yeah, that's a big, big mouthful. It is happening in Dunedin next week from the 16th to the 22nd. If you're around, head to the Dunedin Ice Stadium and go support the boys in black. But if you can't get to the games, you can also stream it live on nzhl.tv and you can catch all the hard work that Slapshot Productions do put into those games. 
And as for us, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear from you. Being a brand new podcast, you know, we're open to your thoughts, ideas, whatever, you know. Hey, maybe we get hate mail too after this. Who knows? I can't wait. I yeah, can't wait. <laughs> it'll be awesome. Uh, so hit us up on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram is at Podcast, Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. Next week, we'll be pre- previewing that tournament and getting hyped for the NHL All-Star Weekend. Or will we? Maybe. Puck Year. It's New Zealand's hockey podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or with your favorite podcatcher. Follow the guys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Puck Here Podcast. Yeah.